The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. It's brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of The Process. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged and kinetic skateboarding free tunes for the life of your board with the purchase of any no- new snowboard at Kinetic. On the show today, Sixers keep winning, now sit a game and a half out of first place in the East. Joel Embiid is the favorite now to win MVP. The Kings have reportedly disengaged from trade talks with the Sixers and our very favorite, our, our very own number 25 bought an NFT and now has some weird NFT endorsement. Oh, by the way, it seems like Tobias Harris might be good again. Two notes before we go. If you're listening to this podcast, we've been available on video on YouTube for a while, but now we are also available on video on Spotify as well. And you can just listen as normal on Spotify, but you can also watch the video. So there you go. And the second thing is we would like to send our uh, love and prayers to one uh, Zach Lowe, who, uh, if you'd notice, had been disappeared off the internet for a little while, no podcast, no writing, as his mom suffered, uh, apparently is, as he said, a, a very serious stroke. So we love Zach and, uh, and we wish him the best and send lots of love to his family um, as they get through this. Uh, without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who Adam Schefter reports is retiring after this season. That is one, Mike Levin. Every year, I like to tease it. <laughs> I like to keep people on their toes, and I like yep. to think about never being heard from again. But not yet. <laughs> not yet. The Sixers keep winning. Mike, four there straight. Four straight, seven of ten. Game and a half out of first. Coincidentally, two games out of the play-in, but also game and a half out of first. Mm-hmm. Our our own Joel Embiid, who was plus 4,000 to win the MVP a month ago, plus 1,000 about a week ago, is now the plus 220 favorite at DraftKings to win MVP ahead of Giannis, Curry, and Jokic. Uh, the Sixers' odds for the championship have not changed. And my question to you is, uh, Tobias Harris is good again, apparently. My question to you is, Mike, are you all the way back in? Uh, I'm no, no, no. No? Oh, you're a tough customer this time. No, it's just like we know, we know, we are too experienced now. We know this. We know this happens. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Joel is a different story. He is the best version of himself right now, even though he's had. 
I don't want to say rocky games, but like mm-hmm. strung together some rocky play compared to his, you know, casual 40 plus. Um, he's been missing free throws. He looks a little tired. It would have been nice if they could have gotten him a rest day in there against the Kings, but I don't think he wants to do that. I think he wants to just keep playing and be a regular player. And in his mind, I think him being there is like indicative of his level of commitment to the team, to his teammates, and to like his conditioning, which is obviously still very high and the highest we've seen it. So, but he's, you know, he was eight for 13 from the line against. Uh, the Lakers, and it looked like he was just short on everything. He was over five from three. It just seems like he's a little tired. But then at the second half of the Kings game, he just absolutely took over. Um, he had one incredible. field goal in the first half. It won. Yeah. So it's, I he, mean, yeah, yeah. He had one just field goal in the first half and, and ended up with like what thirty six points and fucking fifteen <laughs> yeah, yeah, rebounds and six. It's, it's like come he's on, very good. Man. I mean, he's very good. We do this. We watch him. We enjoy it. Uh, he's incredible. It, it's nice, you know. The team looks better. It's good to see. I'm not. I'm not out. I'm not like incredibly negative on the team. I've been relatively high on giving them a chance to make a run with making a the best possible version of a trade at the deadline that you can make. That also leaves you flexible in the off season. So I'm there. Like if that's optimistic. If that's like I think that with even not an A plus trade with like a A minus B plus trade, then they could make a run this season in the, in the playoffs because of how good Joel is, because of how how much of a leap Maxi's taken. Um, if you can just get a couple more, one or two more two way players out there, some passing, some rebounding here and there, I do think it's possible. The East is open. There's a lot of good teams in the East, but there's no elite team right now. I don't think. So if that's if that's optimistic, and I think it might be, then I think like we should Daryl should capitalize on those five percent as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, but. The idea that this team, if they don't make the trade until this offseason, which is you know well within their rights to do, and you know certainly a possibility as the as the rumor mill turns on, mm-hmm. um, which we will I get don't to. think that this team as constructed is going to you know win more than a round. Yeah, and if, even a, yeah, I mean that even a round could be difficult yeah. given where everyone Match sort up. of sits. You know. Sure. The, this year, the, the the difference between the the one seed and the uh, even the six or seven seed is isn't very much. I, I would rather if I could only have one, I would rather Embiid win the MVP than the Sixers win the title. I just I think like, that's ridi- ridiculous, a ridiculous I, proposition. No, I, I Embiid winning the title would be better than Embiid winning the MVP. I don't think so. Imagine him getting so. the MVP when like. The Bucks are winning again, and he's at home, and we're having to watch another team like hold but hoist the title. Like he would much th- rather win the t- championship, of course. Well, I mean, you know th- this. This team's not winning the championship. So, in the case of this particular team, it would almost be impossible for one to happen without the other to happen. But like, I don't know if they get James Harden and he averages 36 through the playoffs and Embiid's just like his fucking running mate, which would be great. It'd be great to win a title. I do think from an emotional perspective, watching Joel Embiid hoist the MVP trophy would be, would have more of an effect on me than them winning a title with some star they traded for. It'd be great. It'd be, you know, it'd be great to have those, but I, I think there's more of a chance that it would affect me personally if Embiid won the MVP 
Yeah, I disagree. I don't think that Embiid, even if they get Harden, is going to turn into like Dan Gafford and just become a, a role. Well, man that's not what I'm saying. Be like uh, tangentially related to the championship. I think if Embiid wins the championship, if they win a championship, it would be largely because of Embiid, especially on defense. Um, but even if they get Harden at some point or whoever, I think it'll still be Embiid's their best player, especially as as you know whoever they get ages and figures out what they are. Even when they got Jimmy a couple of years ago, it was like. There were games when he just wasn't the focal point because he hadn't like figured out the offense yet, and like they're placing him. You know, mid a midseason trade is always a little bit awkward. So I think it's still, I think no matter who they get, it's going to be Embiid's team. Maybe he shares the load with a guy more than than depending on who they get. You know, if it's Halliburton, it's obviously still Embiid's team or whatever. But if it's if it's Harden or Brad Beal or something, I still think it'll be Joel's team. I think that the championship is the ultimate thing. Like the MVP. MVP doesn't it'd be nice but he's been in conversation for MVP for now two years and that's like enough for me that's that doesn't do it It, for me on the level of like I'd be willing to even consider that as a more as a bigger win for for the process or us personally or the the time we put in this organization than like I just think for him to finally got the team over the hump I think for for everything that he's been through, for him to be individually considered that, because it's not just the two. I I I, I have no problem with feeling the opposite way of this. I'm just for me personally, but I I think for for everything that he's overcome, not just the the two broken feet and the broken back and the injuries and yada yada yada, not all of those things, but to then also have somehow gotten over the hurdle of being considered. That guy, which he, which has been a hurdle for him previously, right? Not just with other players who have considered, who have made, who have said things about him not playing, or the media who have said things about him not playing, or the fans who have said things about him not playing. For him to go and win the MVP over somebody like Jokic, who plays every game, you know, is considered some something of a like an Iron Man, a flabby Iron Man, but an Iron Man nonetheless, or or Giannis or Curry. I just think the perception of him to getting to that point is such a massive victory that I would have never expected, especially even this season. I didn't think it was coming this season. I just think is, has, has been such a, a change it, that it, it represents more of an, an individual, an individual overcome than, than the team one, which, which will most likely involve somebody else. So that's it. I, I don't, disagree with how you feel i can understand how you feel differently on that but i i think him winning the mvp would be would be pretty wild you know um uh harris has played better it it, it seems like maybe he's just it seems like when he shoots better he's just better i guess i not not that it makes him seem better but it sort of gives him a little bit of confidence and he plays a little uh, we get a little less bad to bias and a little more good to bias when the shots seem to fall. I don't, I don't know if it's chicken and egg thing, but um, he does seem a little less slow recently. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously when the shots go in, it's way easier to put up with some of the other stuff. I think over the last couple games, a couple weeks, maybe even, it seems like he has, I don't want to say changed who he is, but at least tweaked a little bit. Like we have seen him make quicker decisions. We've seen him still not shooting threes. He's friggin' one of two last night. What a, a different kind of joke. Three for three is the worst possible thing I could see, but one of two is also a, a real shot to my face. But 
I, looked I think at it this that, morning after after watching it, I looked at it. I was like, "How many did he shoot?" Oh, that's perfect. Dude, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, I think he's making quicker decisions. I think he's, I think he's cutting a little bit more. I feel like, you know, they tried to use Maxi in the dunker spot occasionally, <laughs> which is insane because he's not really a threat there uh, earlier in the season. And they put Matisse in there sometimes, which I think is right. Um, and he's had some success there, and and, and a lot, obviously, the last. Uh, month or so, a ton of success as a cutter, and Embiid's been finding him. But I think they've been using Tobias a little bit in the dunker spot occasionally, cutting there, being open, um, and he's got the ability to, you know, make some difficult shots in there, and have and is big enough to like you know get his ass into somebody and get an, a decent look out of it. So I think there's been a couple. He just seems like he's more decisive. I think that's like everybody talks about it when when Tobias plays well it looks like he's making his brain is working quicker he's not thinking as much he's just like playing and doc had a good quote a couple of games ago where he's saying there's there can be one ball stopper on the team and ours is going to be Joel so it can be Tobias also like you just can't have two of them and then, and and I think that's a that's a good good and correct quote and it seems like it's gotten through to Tobias that if I'm going to impact this team it's not going to be as like holding the ball, you know, 2009 Carmelo Anthony. Like it's just, you got to make quick decisions. You got to move the ball and get it out of there. And it seems like he's doing that. Obviously we would like more threes. It seems like he's a little bit more engaged on the defensive end now that he's hitting some shots again. I, it just seems, he looks, he looks better. I, I Is Tobias, or are we going to, any Mia culpas about Tobias? No, of course not. No, he was playing like shit. Yeah. He played yeah. awful Still for a long overpaid. time. You you and, always compare him. By the way, like there we go. You always compare him to Carmelo, which I understand. I think but, I don't think he's Carmelo. I think he okay. thinks he's Carmelo in, in, okay. in two thousand nine. His his game is uh, modeled after that. Right, Carmelo is so much better. Just and and the difference is just in confidence. Like Carmelo sh- was sure as shit, even when he shouldn't have been. But you know, Toby. Toby doesn't seem that. So uh, the only other thing I had from the game, well, first of all, it is it is amazing what a difference having Danny Green just available makes and willing to shoot. I think you could you could put a bunch of players into that position and say the same thing, but somebody who can can play defense and is willing to shoot as soon as he gets the ball. I do think that his pick and roll, his three off the pick and roll with Joel was the one dribble pick and roll was amazing, but having him available is a big thing. And the other thing is that I really miss whatever the fuck happened to Korkmaz, who is just on the verge of a lost season is what he's shooting like 25 fucking percent from three. It's just like nothing goes down. I still believe he's an effective player. And I think if the team was better, it would make him better, but it's sort of a bummer watching him um, struggle like this for this extended period of time. Yeah, I mean, Korkmaz had a had a stretch there. We started hitting again. He'll have his like weird seven of nine from three type game. But I think honestly, the, the the lack of guards on this team that can beat their men off the dribble, that can penetrate and also pass, is really har- harmful for his outside shooting. Like they've depended on him, Doc especially has depended on him to run the second unit, and that's not his strength. Like he can do it a little bit. But to have him out there without a real initiator who is quick and decisive and can make, you know, can manipulate the defense and make those passes, it's just, it, it puts him in a position where he has more responsibility. And I'm sure he likes it. I'm sure he likes, 
you know, running point like he does overseas, but it's he's just not good enough at it. He's not quick enough, and, and you just need him to be a guy that can hit shots, and he hasn't been. And hopefully, if they make a move at the deadline to get a, a, a more perimeter initiator who can who can do some stuff it would be it'd be helpful to him i still believe in him as a shooter i still believe in him as a as a helpful player but as we talked about like team has too many of the of derivative pieces that all have the same weaknesses but you know i think i, I think it was nice to see they gave up a bunch of points to the kings in the first half without De'Aaron fox tyrese Halliburton went off seth curry's back but he did a you know he's not a good defender he just is slow and dies on screens and falls asleep. He did take seven stuff. threes. Seven. Sure. Took seven threes. There was, nice, there was a good article about Seth that Rob Mahoney wrote for The Ringer um, that didn't really get... It was, I thought it was a good article, a very glowing article about him. Didn't really get into his weaknesses and what a team that has him as playing as many minutes as they, as they do struggles with. And you saw the you last night. You should write an answer Halberton. article. What you should that? write a, a res- you should write a response article about everything yeah, that is like bad not, about him. The 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 response <laughs> like is just like not kinda. Um, <laughs> it's there's a there's a good article that a good moment in the article where his G League coach told him to do push ups on the court so people would perceive him as stronger in warm ups, which I thought was pretty wild. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's just like he's a very good player. Obviously, he's helpful to be he's helpful out there, and B loves playing with him. They have some magical two man game. There's he had a couple nice defensive moments off ball last night, but he's just too slow and small. And Halliburton just like absolutely roast him repeatedly. Um, and I, I just I worry. I I think Maxi is a long term piece of this team. I really don't want to trade him. I would try to avoid trading him at all possible costs um, because I think he's going to keep growing and getting better and being like a cost controlled homegrown star on this team for at least a couple years until they have to pay him more. So I wonder how long can you survive with a Maxi Curry backcourt uh, in the playoffs? I don't. I just. I don't really know. I you think can't. Not It'd be limited. Worst, it'd be like the worst backcourt in the playoffs. I don't. I haven't looked at Defensive, the, rest of the team. defensively. Yeah. Well, I mean, but that that counts. That's you know part yeah. of it. So. Uh, the Rice Zerky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers, who have had a huge week, just an enormous week. So congratulations to uh, our own. Can we say our own Seamus Clancy? Is he our own, I guess? He's my, he's at least my own. Liberty like, Ballers, him. right? Sure. So Seamus got engaged, used LL. I think we hit 256, 256 rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners have purchased engagement rings from LL Pavorsky. We got this nice note from Tommy. Hey, Spike and Mike, wanted to plug LL again and say that number 254 me got engaged this weekend to his fiance, Megan. LL couldn't have been more gracious, low key, and made the whole experience awesome. Just wanted to say, I don't know if all 254 people are real, but at least I'd recommend him and I am real. So, and also I thought, I saw he closed the deal yesterday with in the snowstorm. They needed the ring in the snowstorm. So he went into LL Pavorsky Jewelers from South Jersey. What a man. What a guy L.L. Pavorsky is. Uh, and he was even dressed down. If you look at his Twitter, he was dressed down when he was in the shop yesterday. I guess snow forces him to dress down. L.L. was the first sponsor of the rights to Ricky Sanchez. And as I mentioned, he has sold 250, I think it's 256, 256 rings to rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. We're two weeks away from... Uh, from Valentine's Day, you need something. LL's your guy. You want to get engaged. LL's your guy. 
If you just want to talk, want to chat, want a friend, LL's your guy. Been there for over 30 years and everybody who we send to LL gives us a glowing review. 707 Walnut is the store. If you're going to buy an engagement ring, appointments are necessary. 215-627-2252. Email him, lee at llpavorsky.com or just tweet at him at llpavorsky. Always a generous contributor to our charities, Providence Animal Center, coded by kids. LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Kill a cow voice. But people told me LL Pavorsky couldn't sell rings. <laughs> Do you want to move on to the, it feels like a natural move to the, the, like the trade update stuff from Sacramento. Like I want a couple more game. things about the game. Okay. All right. There, Seth, Shake is still out and they're still like kind of searching for that 10th guy in the rotation. Doc loves going to an all defense or all, all bench lineup and uh, sometimes to his detriment, but they played with Charlie Brown a little bit. They played with Isaiah Joe. Interesting that Isaiah Joe was on the court for a big defensive possession at the end of the game. I, I I like at least instilling that in him of like, hey, we need you to come in on defense, and I think he does sometimes. I think he gets like, you know, a little a little fousy sometimes, where he'll try to contest shots so hard that he'll get baited into some fouls. And I I think I need him obviously needs to get stronger 100, percent but he works, he tries hard, he'll he'll step in for a charge. So I think that was kind of just nice to see. And they, the defensive effort in the second half generally was really good. They gave up 40 points in the second half after, after a tough offensive first half. Um, and they had just, you know, mostly they lost this game. They were going to lose this game in the first half because of looks like they are, they were so not invested. Like the turnovers yeah. were like, oh, fuck, whatever. It just seemed, every time they turned the ball over, they were like, oh, not, again. It seemed like they had like 14 turnovers in the first half, something like that. And they tightened it up in the second half and they, and they just beat a worse team. And that's, you know, it'd be nice if they could put a team away earlier so you can, you don't have to play, play Maxi 42 minutes against the Kings or and be at 35. But, you know, they want, they got to just keep comp- like piling wins so that they can give themselves a chance. Here's a segue. Once the trade happens f- to, you know, roll a little bit and maybe host a first round series. And they're a team, they could use the, I, I, I bet any team in the NBA, they could use the all-star break right now, the, the, the Sixers. I think they've just been through a lot between the COVID things, between the, the, the trade thing hanging over their head the whole time. I think just getting to the all-star break would be good for them as well. I know we would rather they put them away. I don't know. There is something about these games being ones that in the first half they look like uh, this is one that they're just not going to have it and they're not going to get it. And they just sort of reach down and win it, you know, uh, mostly behind Embiid. But them them locking down in the second half, I think, is a pretty – it's a, a good thing that they did that, you know, like that For they sure. can come out and look like shit and, and actually win it, I think, means no. something. Nice me. mix. You, know, mm-hmm. you need a nice mix. You need to win tough games. I would I'd rather the tough wins come against better opponents than a De'Aaron Fox-less – Sacramento team that is just basically auditioning for the Sixers. Harrison Barnes and Tyrese Halliburton just being like, get me out of here, please. Look how good I am. Look how nice I look. Just like showing some leg. Look how good that you want some of this. I think it really felt, it felt like that to me. And, and, and they would be for sure helpful. I don't know how, how big of a difference uh, Barnes especially would make Halliburton. I, I I love and think he's a special player and would just like infuse a lot to this team that already is, is there and connect a lot of things together. Um, but we'll see. We will so, see. 
In a second, we will get to that, all of those updates. Before that, are uh, a very special Apple Podcast five-star review for you, actually, this week, Mike. We're at 3,045. When we get to 4,000, of course, I have to read all the reviews again. And our Spotify ratings, we are at 346 with a 4.9 average. Would love to get that up to five. Anyway, so here is the review. This comes from Escobar the Man. The subject line is trial and error. Illegally streaming trial and error at the moment because it's unavailable on all the streaming services, still holding out hope for season three. Mike, any comment there? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been dead a long time. Uh, it, it sucks. It was caught in that, in that kind of weird middle ground a few years ago where they, it's not just available on any site. Like it wouldn't, it wasn't like it was co-owned by different uh, companies like yep. one and NBC part universal part Warner brothers. And so I think that they just like never agreed on it. And that's, I think why it never really got a chance, even though it was a good show and funny show and got a second season, people just didn't like have time to catch up or see it because it was not all fully available. It was only the last five episodes were available at a time. And it's just like that. You just can't have a show that is successful like that these days. Um, the, it has to oh, all just be I'm around. Sorry. The Apple Podcast five-star review brought to us by Kinetic Skateboarding. There's a Kinetic Kid Sweats out right now on kineticskateboarding.com. And with all that snow out there, you should be snowboarding unless you're old and frail like me. If you buy a brand new snowboard from Kinetic right now, you get free tunes for life also. I don't go to Kinetic for the skateboards or the snowboards. I go for the apparel. But uh, 9.1% off, off your first order with promo code Dave Silver at kineticskateboarding.com. Okay, here we go with the updates from the the, the trade. Actually, not just trade, but the the all these different number 25 updates for the Sixers. So this comes from Adrian Wojnarowski, the Sacramento Kings, one of the most aggressive teams in the trade market and one eager suitor have ended their pursuit of a deal with the 76ers and turned elsewhere in trade talks. Sources told ESPN on Friday, inside of two weeks until the February 10th trade deadline, the Kings believe the asking price is too steep and that the pathway to a trade agreement with the Sixers doesn't exist. With the Kings exiting trade talks and the sources saying the Brooklyn Nets will not engage in a James Harden trade prior to the deadline, it becomes increasingly possible that 76ers president Daryl Morey will be more than willing to advance the Simmons discussions into the offseason. Morey and the Sixers have long believed the offseason could bring a higher profile players into the trade market, along with free agency playoff disappointments also give team often give teams and star players reason to pursue change, which could offer the Sixers a wider spectrum of offers. Well, first of all, the, the Kings have not like this is just this is obviously more of the, the public negotiating that's happening. So they're just going to take their ball and go elsewhere. Obviously, yeah, you, don't still be, you don't believe that they've left the blackjack table and are <laughs> holding their holding their chips together being like we're not, not coming back we're done it's over just watching lustily uh it yeah, does it's ridiculous watching last night does make it is just one game and i still i was thoroughly unimpressed by the a lot of Halliburton's threes last night were wide the fuck open i i can't tell just looking at him I can't buy him as a three-point shooter. Like, just watching him shoot, it's just so fucking strange. No, for uh, sure. I mean, he's, he's got a unconventional release, for sure. I, do, I don't buy, because it has to, like, lock into place, like, he has to, like, put the ball in the place where it goes and yep. then shoot it. I, I struggle to see, even though I definitely believe in him and I, I believe in him figuring it out, at this point, I struggle to see consistency as a three-point shooter off the dribble. 
But off the catch, he shoots. He shoots from distance. It goes in. His numbers are good. I, I don't I don't think of him as like he's the perfect primary initiator, just giving the ball and, and get away. But like he can do that. I think he's the per- I think he'd be really nice with Maxi as a secondary initiator. Can shoot. Can connect. Can run pick and roll with the second unit. Uh, him and Rashawn are a great lob threat. I would love to have him on, as a as a good pick and roll partner with when Maxi's on the bench with whoever Joel's backup will be forever. Um, even thinking about like obviously Drummond, but even like a, a Charles Bassey situation seems like that'd be that'd be good for a long time. Making him into just a regular pick and roll player. You see how Chris Paul in Phoenix just makes who whatever big man walks in Bismack Biombo out of the crypt to like get a just good pick and roll game out of him. Um, so yeah, I, I just I just love Halliburton. I think he's a really helpful player, and I think like you you wish that he had made the Kings better. You wish that his how much I believe in him just like made it like. He could just have lifted them out of it, but they're just too Sacramento Kingsy for him to do it. There was the power was too strong, so it's it's just been still ugly. But I I do I do believe in him as a helpful player. I don't know if he's the helpful player, obviously, but right. he's very good and he showed how good he was last night. I do believe he is incredibly tradable in that between his salary and his game, you could put him on any team and be helpful. Mm-hmm. Almost any NBA team could add Tyrese Halliburton and find a role for him. So if that becomes, we don't know what the the trade offer is or was, but if that, if, if he is involved, it seems like I I, I just, I get the sense that he would be more useful in a trade than Simmons would be like overall value in the entire NBA. I mean, it just depends on what you're looking for. Just, uh, I think, as we said, like it's going to depend from somebody who plays. I think it's just going to depend team to team. Like he's, you know, we know Simmons' strengths and weaknesses. And I, th- I mean, the King stuff is like every rumor that comes out now is coming out for a reason. It's not yeah. like, it's not like Woj is an archaeologist and he's like <laughs> sifting through, disco- making discoveries. Like someone's telling him something. Right. And then he checks it with somebody else probably. And then somebody else tells him the same thing. And he's like, all right, I'll tell some, I'll tell some people about it. It's not they want it. It's out because someone wants them to know whether it's an agent or, or a team or like someone involved with the player or the owners. I feel like this is just like Vivek, just like texting at Woj and be like, do it, say we're done. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I my concern is that like, unless Daryl's just like, we're, unless we get blown away, we're happy to wait until the off season. I think that concerns me because a, I want Embiid to have a better chance to win a championship this year. He's playing so good. Like I, I just want, I just want it. I think he deserves it, and I think they can. They, if he's as creative as we know he is, like you can find a way to get the guy in the offseason without it having to be a straight up Ben for that guy yeah. type of play, pick. Absolutely. Um, so, but also, like I think people, in the same way that you know, it's different because Dallas been there a lot longer. But like you could tell the GM didn't want to negotiate with Hinky. Like they didn't want to do it. They found it annoying. They found it like they probably found us annoying and feeling like, oh, we get I'm going to get pants by this guy. And this like legion of nerds on Twitter is going to like talk about it in 2028 second round pick like it's the best thing in the world, um, which it is. But I think Daryl's in the risk of doing that because he's just like his asking price has been so high for such a long time. He hasn't been able to move. And it seems and with the hardened rumors that seem like tampered adjacent, I think people are don't want to just get like played at this time of year. Everything, every, you know, if he's just wasting their time with, you know, 10 days before the deadline, basically I could see people just being like, yeah, fuck you, man. I'm not doing it. 
Poor and fucking so Nets. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. The poor Nets. Just, just I wake up and they're like, wait a minute. What? What? The, he's going to leave? Like, what? I would be so annoyed if I was the Nets with all that shit bouncing around. The other thing, and I've said this and I believe this truly, Har- I would, if the Sixers got Harrison Barnes, I would put fucking Harris on the bench and start Harrison Barnes. Like Harrison Barnes is better than Tobias Harris. He just is. On a team that wants to win, Harrison Barnes is more useful than Tobias Harris is. And if somehow they wind up with Barnes, Barnes should start and Harris should come off the bench. And that is my my other take on that. They, I, I don't think it would put them in the championship realm, but the Sixers would certainly have a better chance of competing in the playoffs if they had to Tyrese Halliburton and Harrison Barnes for the second half of the season rather than like nothing, you know? Um, I think they would both be helpful. I don't think it puts them in, you know, elite class, but they're both players that would be helpful on this team. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think they'd be they'd certainly be helpful and give themselves a chance. The, the Sixers have a ton of depth, but is it is it like helpful depth? It's just sort of players that should be in a rotation. Um, I would hope that they would package some of those guys together to get something else and get like you know a pick or something that they can a couple picks that they can then move in the summer. Like that's going to be part of any any deal. If you're not getting a, a, a top flight guy, whether it's like Beal or Dame, who hasn't played in a long time, or one of those types of guys, it's going to have to come with picks so that then you can flip those with you know maybe Tobias to get off of Tobias or or in a in a big package to get probably hard in the summer. Um. Okay, some other updates that have happened with our, our sitting out point guard right now. One. Uh, you'd be happy to know he bought Boring Ape 5164 for 100 Ethereum, which is $253,000. And also, according to Jonah Bolden, he has joined the Gutter Cat Gang. Uh, Jonah Bolden tweets, okay, it's okay, it's about that time, googly eyes. Super excited to reveal that Ben Simmons25 has joined us in the Gutter Cat Gang Culture has finally arrived, and we're just getting culture started. Has finally arrived. We've <laughs> been waiting on culture for years, and Jonah Bolden announces that it's here, and it's here because Ben Simmons made an investment. Yes, in a why are we uh, why why do they every time it's look cartoon? You know this is a, you know this is a fucking <laughs> bullshit like stupid ass scam across the board that like dumb fuck celebrities are just involved in all the time. But like Gwyneth Paltrow is fucking, everyone's doing a fucking NFT. It's so boring. Everyone's so boring. Posting like mediocre art. Like it's like the coolest thing in the world. It's the same picture with like different colors. What are we doing? What's everyone doing? But it's like, why are we, why do they have to announce it? That's why, you know, everything, every time anyone does anything, it's like announcing. Are like, are they announcing all of their investments? Like, is that just something we do now? Like every, every person has to announce what they're investing in. Were you in the talk about it, gang like, or Bored Ape gang? No. <laughs> they have to tell everything like, hey, I, you know, I actually bought a couple penny stocks. And here you go. The culture the culture's here because I did. Like, what are we doing? Just shut the fuck up. It's Just so shut the fuck up. What are we doing? This is bad. Look at cool stuff. One picture of the same, like, gorilla's friggin' <laughs> art is not changing anything. What are we talking about? <laughs> Losers. Culture has finally arrived. Can only imagine where we'll be in six months. For now, though, it's gang gang. 
cat emoji. Great. It's, so it's gang gang. Okay. I can appreciate what this technology could do for actual art. Like the, the idea of giving some sort of uh, ownership proof for digital art, but that should be for real art. You shouldn't just buy the ownership proof. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, if, if you bought a poster that came with a, or bought an autograph that came with a certificate of authenticity with it, this is just like buying the certificate of authenticity without the autograph. Like that's what they're doing. It sounds so fucking dumb. So here's the other one though, but this is maybe more important. Um, NBA star, all-star Ben Simmons joins crypto NFT esports organization, Pyrian DAO as exclusive partner and ambassador. Um, thank goodness he has a time for that. On the heels of a successful private funding round, Perion, a decentralized autonomous organization founded sure. the leverage, founded to leverage the play to earn capabilities of NFT gaming, is thrilled to announce that NBA player and avid gamer Ben Simmons has joined as a strategic advisor and ambassador. Simmons will partner with Perion to bring a new element to engaging gamers and continue to elevate cultural impact in the play to earn space. Play to earn. I've always, I've always been a is Not what Ben Simmons <laughs> is doing right now. It's so funny. I've always been a gamer and part of the gaming community for years, said Simmons. What Perion is doing is so important when it comes to getting more people involved and unleashing the competitive spirit of gamers all over the world. Great. See, I'm sure he wrote that. <laughs> I'm sure he wrote it. I'm sure he sat down. Had a, a pencil and eraser in his mouth as he thought of the perfect words to use. What? This is nothing. Having this been nothing. on the Perian team means a lot to us, says Amos Whitewolf, co-founder of Perian. Ben's story resonates with a large segment of our community, people from humble backgrounds dedicated to mastering their craft and changing their fortunes. Everything is just, it's just, I think everything's so, always been full of shit, but people, yeah. now they're using just terms that they don't even understand. Like maybe, I'm sure that guy understands fucking whatever game he plays, but like everyone's just like, and it's, and, and it's about bringing eyes to the space and we're all collectively learning and culturing together as we take advantage of this fresh new technology in the metaverse. Like what, do, <laughs> it's just, it's just nothing. Well, who's he, who's he an ambassador to? Who is he ambassadoring? What is, explain the role. <laughs> is that is that not just Shaq with Color Star? What are we doing? Play to earn, play to earn, or whatever the fuck that is. Oh, just like look, invest, grow your wealth, whatever you want to do. <laughs> listen to fucking financial podcasts. I don't give a fuck. But just like everyone being so like, oh, <laughs> like publicly. Like smug about it is like I'm doing this and I'm making a lot even more money than I was making. And it's because of these words that like nobody really understands. It's all very vague. And it's just like I may as well have a partnership with Burger King. Like someone just like pair with Burger King and be like a Burger King spokesman. It's like, hey, what do you want? Burgers. We got them. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's it just go back to that. This this like vague ambassadorship of partnering with uh, fucking digital technology space where you can buy a number and then prove to everyone that you're the only one that has that number. Like, who gives a shit? Shut up about it. So, just to be sure, you are not a member of the Bored Ape clan. No, for me, the culture is 
is still gone. It hasn't come back yet. Okay. All right. The Rights to Ricky Sanchez is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. We've gotten a lot of uh, emails lately about Cornblow, him helping people out. The one of the things that I'm most proud of with a lot of our um, a lot of our partners, a lot of our sponsors, is that they are small but able, right? Like, so instead of seeing a commercial or hearing a commercial on a, seeing a billboard for a personal injury law firm who may not have time for you, most likely they're just referring you to somebody else. Cornblow is big enough to have a few offices, to be able to do home visits, to, to have been there for 40 years, but but nimble and small enough to really work with you and care about you. So when you call Cornblow and Cornblow, you're actually getting Adam. If you email, if you call, you ask for Adam, you get Adam. This, as I said, this law firm's been there for over 40 years, started by his parents. He runs it now with his mom, all personal injury. So injured at work, car accidents, slip and fall, medical malpractice is what they've specialized in, but also is so caring to our listeners that other legal questions that they call with, Cornblow is always there, always there to help. I want you to know that if you've been injured in any way um, or you need legal help for anything, he is your guy. It doesn't cost you anything until they get results for you. 215-576-7200, ask for Adam, or email cornblow at cornblow and cornblow.com, K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U. That's right, I spelled it for you, only on this one, the official law firm, of the process. So it is time for our hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week. This comes from Alter Ego 877. That Seth Matisse question may be the su- stupidest thing ever uh, uttered on this pod. Now you remember <laughs> they, were, they were trading um, good shoot offensive skills and defensive skills. The original emailer clarified. I meant it as one hypothetical player takes each of Seth and Matisse's best attributes and one other takes the worst. Player A, best of both, Matisse's athleticism, defense, and frame with Seth's offensive skills. How good is that player? Is he a top 30 player in the NBA? Player B, worst of both, Seth's athleticism, defense, and frame with Matisse's offensive skill. How good is that player? Is that player even good enough for low level college basketball? I still think it's a stupid question. <laughs> it's pretty dumb. Of it's course, dumb. that's a top thirty player with yeah. Seth's offense and Matisse's defense. Are you fucking yes. crazy? Yes, yeah. one million percent. It might be a top twelve or top ten player. I, I right? Yeah. And that's, then yeah, that would be a, like that'd be that's basically Paul George. Like you're describing, you're right. kind of describing Paul George. And then if a player couldn't guard or couldn't shoot. No, they, they couldn't play in low-level <laughs> no. college basketball. No. It would be horrible. There's, there's plenty of <laughs> six-foot-one, slow, and also <laughs> poor dribbling. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like, no, he's a, he wouldn't play. He wouldn't play. He'd be listening to this podcast. Might even be dumber than the, the first question that at least was, was confusing. This one is just stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I've given it so much time. The mailbag, uh, writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Send us one basketball, one non-basketball. This comes from PJ. As always, loving the pod in this weirdly fun season. I don't even mind Spike's microphone, which is now fixed, by the way. So thank you to everyone at StreamYard. Thank you to B&H for sending me shit I didn't buy, letting me buy shit I didn't need. Thank you to CJ, our producer. It no longer makes a bad noise. 
Sixers question. Let's pretend the Sixers win the championship in the next few years, and Daryl invites you to be part of the championship celebration. There is a Ricky float in the parade. You are given rings. You get to introduce Embiid for his finals MVP speech. The only catch, this entire event takes place in the metaverse. The rings you receive are not physically real. They are NFTs. The entire event is sponsored by Crypto.com, and the Sixers ask you not to joke about the nature of the festivities. How do you respond to this invitation? <laughs> Come on, Mike. <laughs> what would you do? We, we have, a, we have a, a float. We have NFT rings. We're introducing we Embiid, but we cannot we float joke like about it. Like it's a shopping cart? Politely decline. Really? Just so, what am I, I mean, think Just of the jokes we can get off. But I don't, we can't, we're not even allowed to. Right, that's what I'm saying. We just, if, we, if we don't take it, we get to say we turned it down and we get to make jokes about it, which might be better. But introducing Embiid in finals, for his finals MVP for his speech in the metaphor. But what does that even mean? My, my, my avatar is doing it. You're and doing he's like, it. Like, welcome to Joel Embiid. It's just, he's weirdly wiggly. Like, who knows? Who knows what that would be like? I don't want to figure it out. I don't want to learn. Politely decline. Hmm. Let us, All right. let us ride an actual float with our human body. But you won't be able to. We won't get it in the real well, world. Well, I'm saying that my counter would be don't do a fucking metaverse float. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> uh, not basketball. How much sports radio do you consume each week? This question is for, more for Spike. I really want to know if it's just always on in some capacity. A frightening amount for me. Just a, a from 5 a.m. until 7 p.m. every day if I'm not on the phone. Uh, or running, I am consuming it. Mike, I would imagine a zero, right? Zero sports radio. I consume not just New York and not just national, all of our other markets. So a fucking, a shit ton, a, a real lot. It, it's actually at this point, my podcast listening is down to like two or three different kind, different pods because I only listen to the pod when I'm running or, um, or walking my dog. Uh, from Anthony, Ben Simmons and Seth Curry are the exact opposite player in every single capacity thoughts i actually think they're quite complementary together they yeah. are it is pretty amazing they are completely opposite they both like gaming so i would imagine they're the same in that respect i don't know what their thoughts are in board ape but the overlap is dribbling some yeah mm-hmm. but that's about it well is yeah the obviously the Size and athleticism, the shooting, the defense, very, 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 very different. Non-basketball, there's something each of you have been wondering about the other for as long as you've known each other, but just haven't gotten up the will to ask. I don't know what that is for either of you, but it's time for you to ask it right now on the pod. Do it. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to ask. I don't think you yeah. have anything to ask either. I, I really don't. I really don't. Really, If there was something in my head, I would, I would certainly do it, but there's nothing like someone, in my head. T instructing us yeah, if you don't ask do this it. question that you've been dying to ask a bomb will go off in five minutes what i don't know i don't know i would like to know what that per john was it john who was it anthony i would like to know what you think that that is because you sure. clearly think it's something but i don't i don't have anything <clears throat> this comes from john this is a, a jigsaw <clears throat> would you rather spill something on your shirt every time you ate happens at every meal 
and you don't know what or when it will happen. You have to wear that shirt the rest of the day, no matter what. It is in an obvious spot, so the rest of the day, everyone will see it and you can't hide it. Or you will start crying emotionally all the time. Anytime you have a slight change in emotion, good or bad, you will start to tear up. None of the, neither of these options are different from reality. Oh. Um, I do spill a lot and I get emotional and I guess I don't cry that much, but I would. Um, if you tell me that I would stop spilling on myself, then I would take the second one because that would improve my life, I think. Oh. So you would keep the crying if you would take your normal stop, your your normal incidence of getting stuff on your shirt, if that would go yeah. away. Huh. That'd be great. I, I don't cry a lot. I am an emotional person. I do get stuff on my shirt all the time in a way that it makes it seem senseless to even buy nice shirts. Like that's how many spots I have on them. And I, I don't always get it on the, like the, the front, the collar, it's always here around the wrists. I end up getting like food. I don't think I could cry all the time. I would take the spots. And finally, from Mark, recently I've been thinking about how incredibly bad every single move the Sixers made during the 2019 offseason was. So many of the team's present problems stem from the terrible decisions made at that time. So I'd like you you guys to play a game I call relitigating the disastrous offseason of 2019. I'd like, for you, I'd like for you to list the following moves in order of how devastating they have been to the Sixers 21-22 season. All of these were terrible decisions, but I'm hoping we can hone in on the ones that bear the most responsibility for the current present state of the team. One, signing Ben Simmons to a max extension instead of trading him. Two, letting J.J. Redick walk in free agency. Three, signing Tobias Harris to a near-max extension, signing Al Horford in free agency, trading Jimmy Butler, and trading for Josh Richardson for somebody who's not a better fit. Um, this is interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of these you know, pair together, like trading Jimmy and, and sort trading of force ben. their hand to sign Tobias. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, obviously... Weird. If had they traded Jimmy, they could have had something. I would. I would say probably trading Jimmy is one. I'd probably say signing Tobias is two. I would say signing Ben is three because. No, I'd probably say signing Al Horford is three. Mm. And then I would say Ben is four, because even though, it's obviously worked out poorly now, it was still the right thing to do it at the time. Um, and then trading Josh or trading for Josh was basically like, here's the best we could get for Jimmy. Cause he wanted to go to Miami. He didn't really, really have a choice there. Didn't bother me. Yeah. And letting JJ walk also didn't bother yeah. me. He's out of the league. What are we doing? So the trading Jimmy Butler and signing Ben Simmons to a max extension are almost one in the same. Because, and Tobias, I think. Yeah, but you could have let Tobias walk with they're all definitely intertwined but i don't think there's a world i think there is a world in which 
you let Butler go and you just don't sign Harris to the extension. It makes them look stupid, but I think you can yep. certainly operate as a basketball team. I don't to, think to think they, to, to think of that they would make both of those trades and come with nothing. Well, they keep Butler though. I thought you said trading Butler. I thought, sorry. Right. I, I guess what I would say is signing Ben Simmons to a max extension forced them to trade Jimmy, which then forced them to sign Tobias. So I think signing Simmons to the max extension instead of trading in retrospect, I did agree with that move at the time. I was wrong. I think we were all wrong. I, even though it, it seemed like the right thing in retrospect, if you had just kept Butler and traded Simmons, your team would be in a way better position now yeah, than, for sure. than that. So, for sure. so I, I go Simmons and Butler are tied for one. Two is Tobias Harris. Three is Horford. And then Redick and Richardson are, are at the end. I don't, I don't the, think I, I would. It's, it's slightly different because obviously you're looking at it through the realm of like how it ended up. But at the, I think at the time, like signing Tobias to a near max extension had such a limited upside. Yes. Signing Horford to play power forward next to Embiid and him not be ideal for that and requiring, you know, you're paying $30 million to your backup center had such a limited upside. Yeah. The the Simmons versus Jimmy decision there's a world where you keep Jimmy and things blow up anyway. And there's obviously a world where the Simmons thing worked out a lot better than it has. So I can, I can understand Jimmy doesn't want to be here. Simmons is younger, more, you know, committed to the organization. Obviously it's not the case, but I can, I can justify that logically. The Tobias near max extensions and Horford to play backup center for $30 million. That was never was never smart. I agree that they're all intertwined and I agree that it was a bad offseason, but I think those two are the are the most egregious decisions that you make. Tra- deciding a 23-year-old Ben or 24-year-old Ben whatever it was over over Jimmy who's, you know, blown up a couple places. Yeah. Deciding to go with Simmons there I think is is defensible even though it hasn't worked out. A million times defensible. I, I yes, I agree. And and there was there was more happening behind the scenes with Butler than has been reported, at least in terms of his disruption. It would have been a real ballsy thing for them to hold on to Butler and not Simmons at that point. It, it would have been the right thing. Well, also, we don't know how that plays out either. You know, we don't know if he blows up here if the team doesn't perform sure. the next year anyway. Non-basketball question. What is the most embarrassing fashion trend you're willing to admit you participated in? I.e., I want to know if either of you own those pants that zip off at the bottom and turn into shorts or had a Nike swoosh shaved into your head. I've participate in a lot of them i don't know about you but i had a uh, my my fashion has always been pretty stayed not pretty neutral n- not taken a ton of risks over mm-hmm. here although i guess i guess compared to what i was doing growing up like just wearing like big baggy sweatpants and a sweatshirt to school every day as I've I've de- I've certainly developed, but I'm I don't think there's ever been a time where I'm like I'm gonna be, you know, Von Dutch hat guy or like mesh guy, <laughs> or like you know anything like beret guy. That was never me. I've never those kinds of things. I've I've I generally uh, t- 
turn up my nose at like weird fads and like things that people say are fashion. When I'm like, that's stupid. You can, Alyssa says, this is fashion. This is like fashionable. And I'm like, it's stupid though. Things can be stupid and also like publicly, like seeming like they're like popular. Almost anything that's fashionable is stupid. Almost anything. So I did when I was like 14, have the shaved really tight on the sides and long in the back mullet because I loved mm. Brian oh. Bosworth. Yeah, I was a big Brian Bosworth guy. And oh. then in college and then post-college, I definitely did the giant Jinko jeans thing and got every, all my clothes at Pacific Sunwear. Pacific Sunwear is a different store at that point than it is now. Now it just seems like flannels and t-shirts. It was not that at that time. So I wore those. Um, I, don't I never know frosted I, my tips, although I had friends who did. I didn't do that. I did have, I bleached like white hair for a while. No, I never did that. I did that. I, in I don't like think fourth that grade, looks that I had bad, the, In fourth grade, I had the Pat Riley slicked back hair. Oh, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. When I was like eight or nine or something like that, just like <laughs> ready to, just like patrolling the sidelines, arms folded, ready to force players to run. Uh, so people, I think, I think kids at school were like, why, why are you doing this? I don't, I don't think I had a good answer. Um, but yeah, not I, have a, I have a picture from when I was like eight or nine wearing a half shirt and my mom got for me like a shirt, like a crop top. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> that was a thing for a while, like late mid eighties, mid to late eighties. There were a lot of half shirts, a lot of half shirts. That's what they were called at the time. Half shirts. Trying to think if there's anything else. No, that's about it, I think. So, all right. Well, we have like 10 days till the, um, till the, uh, what's it called? Till the trade deadline. We also have two new sponsors to announce in February as well. Two new trusted partners of the Ricky. So excited to- Ambassadors of the Ricky. And they'll have to change their profile picture to- uh, me with Pat Riley hair. Yeah. And they will get $250,000 if someone buys it. And that's cool. And we like it. And it all makes sense. We love it. We'll talk to you later in the week. Are you down with TTP? If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.